0: Misery, desolation, anguish, dejection, loss, death, grief, loneliness, rejection. Neglect, pain, hunger, thirst, suffering, hopelessness. You see, these things are universal. There are people on our planet right now suffering, there are people on our planet right now in pain. And experiencing loss, experiencing loss, experiencing death, grief. There are people on our planet right now experiencing rejection. As a matter of fact, there's probably some of us in this room. Some of us that have a loss of a job or a loss of a loved one or a broken relationship. Some of us in this room are experiencing loneliness. Loneliness and hopelessness. At points in our lives, we allow our earthly circumstances to dictate where we are in our spiritual lives instead of allowing our spiritual lives to dictate where we go with our earthly circumstances and troubles. We need to look at our earthly circumstances and troubles and difficulties through the lenses of who God is and what he has done for us in Jesus Christ. We need to look and make a different perspective or a paradigm shift. And we need to allow ourselves to look at our troubles through the lenses of God. There's a story found in the book of 2nd Samuel chapters 13 through 15. And years ago when I was in graduate school, one of my professors made a statement. It said, we all belong to one great big gigantic dysfunctional family called the human race. And today we're going to look at a dysfunctional family. We're going to look at the life of David and some of his children and the dysfunction therein. You see, David had many children by many different wives. One of his sons was a guy by the name of Amnon, Amnon. He had two other children by another woman. David did a man by the name of Absalom and a, and a, and a daughter by the name of Tamar. You see, Amnon was a half brother to Absalom and a half brother to Tamar. The problem is this: Amnon fell in love and lust with his half sister. He he desired her from an intimate standpoint. He wanted to be with her in his chamber, in his bed. So Amnon devised this plan where he could get someone to coerce Tamar to come help him in his time of need. You see, Amnon feigned ill. He pretended to be sick, and he asked for his half-sister to come take care of him and feed him. So Tamar came into his dwelling... Amnon's dwelling, and she began to care for him while he pretended to be sick. Amnon said, now come into my chamber with me and help me there. So Tamar went into his chamber. chamber. At that moment in time, something very drastic and very wrong happened. Those of you who are students of Scripture know that Amnon raped his half-sister, Tamar. Very bad scene in the life of David's family. One of King David's sons did something improper to one of King David's daughters. Very bad scene in his family. So Tamar's full-brother, Absalom, became enraged. Absalom wanted justice. He wanted his half-brother killed for what he had done to his sister as a result Absalom rebelled against his father Absalom devised a plan that he was going to kill his brother Amnon for what he did to his sister and he devised a plan that he was going to overthrow his father from the throne that's, that's the stage for Psalm 42 Psalm 42 was written By the sons of Korah, who are worship members and part of the worship team in the temple. Many scholars believe that it was at this time in David's life when this psalm was penned by the sons of Korah. Absalom set himself up in the community courts. They had this big celebration, trumpets were blowing, and he was announced their king. So King David had to flee his own throne. King David, the mightiest king of all of Israel, had to flee his throne. So he left his throne, left ten concubines back, and he he walked across the Kidron Valley, up over the Mount of Olives, and towards the north of Israel to the mouth of the headwaters of the Jordan River in the mountains. Absalom set himself to be king. Psalm 42 was written by these guys by the name of psalm, uh, Sons of Korah who are part of David's worship band. It's a lament psalm. They were lamenting about being in the house of Jerusalem in the temple and praising God for all of eternity. They were lamenting being up in the mountains and not being in Jerusalem. I'm going to ask the praise team to come back out, and they're going to play a lament song of this Psalm 42. Pay attention to the words and listen to the words that they sing and listen to the heart that's behind this lament song. Somehow God has given us music to evoke a lot of emotions inside of us. And this psalm, Psalm 42, is a song written by these guys by the name of the sons of Korah and with David's assistance. And they were lamenting not being in Jerusalem. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we dive into your scripture today, I pray that you challenge our, our hearts and our minds Open up our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, I pray for all of us in this room. If there's someone suffering today, going through the pains of life, I pray that you speak some, some God-giving breath of life to them. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. If you'll stand and open up your Bibles or your Bible apps, we're going to read Psalm 42, verses 1 through 5 together. Verse 1 says, As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Please be seated. Psalm 42, verses 1 through 3 says, As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? There's really interesting imagery here. The, the writer equates, equates his soul panting for God with a deer thirsting for water. You ever see a, a deer run or you ever see a pack of dogs chase a deer? Deer will run as fast as they can, as quickly as they can, as long as they can until they... Basically, stop for their need of water. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul is longing for you, oh God. Beautiful imagery, and how our soul or their soul is longing for God. You see, God could have stopped all of this in their lives and in our lives, the trouble that we're going through. The psalmist almost feels forgotten. but God didn't stop it. Point one, if you're taking notes, is this. Seeking God while we are suffering gives us hope. Seeking God while we are suffering gives us hope. You see, that deer was seeking water to quench its thirst. The psalmist was seeking God in the midst of their struggle. Speaking of struggle, I want to share with you a personal story The last several years have been difficult in my wife's family's lives and our family's lives. About three and a half weeks ago or so, my mother-in-law passed away. She was 71 years old, and she was married to my father-in-law for 53 years. My wife, Beth, is the oldest of four daughters who lost their mother. My mother-in-law had severe cardiac issues, uh, four major heart surgeries, an aortic aneurysm, Uh, She had a stroke, major, major, major medical complications, and God called her home. A few days before God called her home, we were sitting, my wife and her sisters were sitting in their room with her, and she was in and out. Uh, She would fade in and fade out. Sometimes she would understand and nod ahead, sometimes she wouldn't. You see, my mother in law was a prayer warrior. And she prayed one prayer for 53 years every day. One prayer for 53 years every day. And that was this, that her dear husband would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You see, my father-in-law did not know the Lord. Good man, give you the shirt off his back, but he did not know the Lord. My wife shares the story that when she was sitting at the foot of her mother's bed with a couple of her sisters, my father-in-law walks into the room, and he began to cry. And he made a statement to my wife, I want to go to heaven because I know that's where my wife is going. At that moment, at that foot of that bed, my wife and her sisters led my father-in-law to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. At that moment, his name was written in the Lamb's book of life. At that moment, he was a a son of the King of kings and Lord of lords. You see, in the midst of his suffering, he was seeking God. In the midst of losing his wife of 53 years, he was seeking God. At the moment that he opened his eyes, my wife shares that he, he went out into the hospital hallway. And he told everybody this, I just got saved. I just got saved. You see, he was seeking God while he was suffering, and that gave him hope. If you're suffering today, if you've got some difficulty in life that you're struggling with, seek the Lord. Go to Him, rest in Him, seek Him. Well, Scripture says, "Seek and you shall find." Let's look at our another another set of scriptures from Psalm 42. Starting at verse 4 and 6 through 8, it says this These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Verse 6 through 8 My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from Mount Miser. Deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers have swept over me. Day by day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is within me. A prayer to the God of my life. You see, the psalmist is recalling what God has done in his life. See, recalling God's presence in his life. You see, recalling God's prior care in our lives gives us hope in our present need. Second point of our time together today is this. Recalling God's presence while we are suffering gives us hope. Remember what God has done in your lives and our lives. Remember how he's walked us through difficulties of the past and how he's with us in the present and how he'll do the same in the future. Recalling God's presence while we are suffering gives us hope. In the mid to late 1970s in the Soviet Union, uh, South eastern portion of Soviet Union, there was this very remote area. And the Soviet military uh, decided they needed to test their nuclear weaponry. So they went to this very remote area and decided to look at their nuclear weaponry and test them to see their accuracy, to see how they would, how they would work. But what they didn't realize was, well, maybe they realized it, on the peripheral part of this land where they were were a couple little small villages. And in this village lived a small family of a husband and a wife and three daughters. 70 to 80% of this village were affected by the nuclear radiation. This past February, I was in this little remote village of Moldova, and I was visiting with a woman by the name of Lilia. You see, Lilia was one of those people that was affected by that nuclear radiation. Lilia at 1979 was 12 years old and as a result of the nuclear radiation she went blind so from 12 to the present day lilia cannot see it affected her other sisters as well both of her sisters became blind as a result of the nuclear radiation as well did most of the village so i'm in lilia's home praying with her encouraging her bringing her food And Lilia tells us the story how she has to live out her activities of daily living. She has a a walking stick, a cane that she uses because she's blind and she cannot see. She has to walk down four flights of stairs to get to the outside of this apartment building. It's it's like an old Soviet-style stat ghetto apartment, something you would see in inner-city Detroit. So Lilia has to walk down the steps with her cane to go outside. Lilia, as she's walking down the steps, she's praying. She gets outside and she has to walk a block with her cane to catch a city bus, a trolley bus. She has to pray that God would send someone there to help her get on the bus and to pay for the bus ride and to make the correct change. And then Lilia has to ride the bus and trust someone in that trolley bus to help her get off at the appropriate stop where the grocery store is. Once she's off of the bus, she has to meander her way into the grocery store and rely upon a clerk to help her get the groceries and the personal items that she needs. Once she gets those and she puts them in her arms, she has to carry them all the way back to her house, her apartment. She has her walking stick, and she has to repeat that process all over again, but backwards, getting on the trolley bus, helping someone pay, helping to get up the stairs with the groceries into her home. Lilia began to share with me her love of Jesus that day in February when I was in her home and how she has an intimate relationship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. She sang to me an old Russian hymn that she learned as a young child in the Soviet Union. At that moment, after the song, I put my arm on Lilia's shoulder and I said this Lilia, you see Jesus more. Than most people who see. You see Jesus more than most people who, you, th- th- who see. You see, Lilia recalled God's presence in her life, and that helped her live in her present reality, and that gives her hope for the future. What does that say for us? What does that say for us? God will never leave us, God will never forsake us, we're his child. If you know him, we're a child of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Sometimes we go through life difficulties, but God never leaves us and he never forsakes us. Lilia is my age. She's 51. And that dear sister in Christ lives a hard existence. And yet she has a heart of gold. She loves Jesus with all her heart, with all of her soul, and with all of her might. She has found her hope in Christ. Let's go back to our text and read a few more verses. Psalm 42, verse 5, and Psalm 42, verse 9 and 11 says this, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Verse 9, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by my enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. While still in the midst of the hardship, the psalmist sets his mind on how God is with him and how God will deliver him. And he praises the name of God. You see, point three is this. Praising God while we are are suffering gives us hope. Praising God while we are suffering gives us hope. That old hymn, It is Well With My Soul, just came to mind. Praising God while we are suffering gives us hope. There's a story in the book of Acts, chapter 16, about Paul and Silas. And Paul and Silas were thrown into this jail and this prison. If you have your text, your Bibles, open up to Acts, chapter 16 with us. We're going to be looking at verses 22 through 26... The crowd joined the attack, joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. The magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. Let's just stop for a moment. I would imagine that the Prison system back in the first century was not like our prison system today. I would imagine, just in my mind's eye, Scripture doesn't say this. This is just my mind. There were probably rats, probably damp, probably cold, probably human feces laying around. And Paul and Silas were locked in this prison, and they were not only locked in the prison, but they were locked in the inner cell of the prison. Plus, they were chained in stocks. Let's pick up our text In verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake, and the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all of the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. You see, Paul and Silas did not let their earthly circumstances dictate where they were spiritually. They did not let their earthly circumstances dictate where they were spiritually. They were flying far above that prison cell that night. They were free in Jesus Christ, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. They didn't let the situation of being, that deplorable situation of being locked in that inner prison affect them spiritually. They were praising God. In Christ, they were free while their earthly circumstances, they were in chains. You see, praising God while we are suffering gives us hope. Praising God while we are suffering gives us hope. Paul and Silas knew that, and they found their hope. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus is speaking, and this is a very interesting thought that Jesus had. He said this, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You see, resting in God while we are suffering gives us hope. Resting in God while we are suffering gives us hope. This past Friday, July the 7th, um, My wife and I, and two of our three children, had the opportunity to visit with a woman in Moldova by the name of Tanya. Tanya has a very hard life. Um, Her home, if you will, is a about an eight by twelve shed, with no running water, no electricity, very uh, difficult living situation. Tanya has four sons. Her oldest son, she has no idea where he is, or even if he's alive. Her two middle sons, because she could not raise them, sent them uh, to this uh, boarding school in, in uh, Russia for, for children whose parents can't take care of them. And she lives in this little tiny storage shed with her 10-year-old son and her boyfriend. Tanya shared with me her story, shared with me how, what God has done in her life Tanya began to cry when I read those verses in Matthew to her. Let me read them again. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When I read those verses to Tanya, she cried even harder. My wife tried to console her. She put her head down and shared with me how she accepted Christ years back, but now she feels so guilty and so ashamed. She's living with a man who she's not married to, more out of necessity than anything else because she has no place to go. At that moment, my wife and I began to unpack and share with her the grace of God and how God loves us in spite of what we do, he loves us for who we are. We're his children. We're children of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. 1 John chapter 3 verse 1 says, "How great the love has lavished God, how great the love that God has lavished upon us that we should be called the children of God." At that moment, Tanya's face began to change. This poor woman who had a black eye Bruises on her arms and bruises on her legs. Her boyfriend is very abusive to her. This poor woman began to smile. Probably the first time in a long time that Tanya smiled. I invited her to church with us. On July the 9th, she walked in the door of the Moldovan church. And she found my wife and they hugged and cried. You see, she understood the principle of resting in God. Resting in God while we are suffering gives us hope. Resting in God while we are suffering gives us hope. Tanya is our sister in Christ and she is suffering. But our God, our Savior, our rock is with her right now. You see, Tanya realized that God was her Savior and a rock and that she was a child and a daughter of the King Are you suffering today? Are you hurting? Do you have any difficulties or pain or grief or loss in your life? Allow the God to minister to your heart. Seek God while you're suffering, in the midst of your suffering. Remember God's presence in your life and what he has done for you in the past in the midst of your suffering. Praise God through the difficulties, through the storm of life that you're in. Just say, I give it up, God. I'm just going to praise you anyway. I can't change the circumstances, but I know you can. Praise God through the midst of your difficulties. And then as you lay your head on your pillow at night, rest in him. Don't allow our earthly circumstances to dictate where we are spiritually, but rather allow our spiritual reality that we are a daughter and son of the King of kings and Lord of lords, allow that to infuse into our earthly sufferings. Lift up our eyes and your eyes from the temporal to the eternal. You see, if I had a laser beam and I shined it as far as I could to the left and as far as I could to the right and it just kept going and going and going and going and going, and there'd be no beginning and no ending... That's like the line of eternity. What is 5,000 years to eternity or 10,000 years to eternity or a million years to eternity? The average human being lives to be about 77 to 80 years of age in the United States. So therefore, our lives are a little speck of dust on this line of eternity. Let's take our eyes off the speck of dust and put them on our God who is an eternal God from what is seen to what is unseen. Let's place our eyes on God in the midst of our suffering. If you're here today and you're hurting or you're in pain or you're suffering or you're experiencing grief, a broken relationship, a lost job, a health issue, my left and your right, there'll be prayer counselors there. Come talk to someone and allow us to minister to you and show you the peace of Christ. Seek him. Recall his presence. Praise him. And rest in him. Let's pray. Father, today, as we come to you, we are thankful that you have given us your son, Jesus Christ, who paid the penalty for our sins. We are thankful, Father, that you not only have given us Christ, but you've also given us the Holy Spirit that so, that so richly indwells in us. Father, this life sometimes, as you know, can be painful. As you know, this life that we live, there's suffering and loss. God, meet us right where we are. Touch our minds and our hearts and let us know that you'll never leave us and you'll never forsake us. This is what I ask in the name of your son, Jesus.
1: Amen.